As we stand, so we pray. Gracious God, help me to speak of your Son in the power of the Spirit for your glory's sake. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it's lovely to be here in Liverpool Cathedral, and thank you to Dean Sue for the invitation. Uh, as she alluded to in the introduction, I am a scouser through and through. I grew up on the south side of Liverpool, somewhere between Hunts Cross and Walton, and watched the cathedral come to its uh, completion. Indeed, the last time I was formally in a service of this kind was when I was sitting just down there and Her Majesty the Queen was here in 1978. Uh, and I'm sure I looked up at this pulpit and thought one day maybe I could preach in that pulpit. Well, here I am. And it's interesting, when I sat there in 1978, I can't even say that I had a fledgling faith. I sang in a church choir, and I guess I didn't doubt that God existed. But I'm not sure what he really meant to me and how I showed that in my life. I stand here 42 years later, and I think I'm still trying to work that out in some way, shape, or form, because the God whom we worship is far bigger than we are and often difficult to understand. But as I was reflecting on the text for today, it was one small text from this section of Matthew's Gospel that struck out to me. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And I'd just like to spend a few moments reflecting on that verse this morning. For me, the Sermon on the Mount is one of the most profound collections of Jesus' teaching on discipleship. It is, if you like, a manifesto setting out the nature of kingdom life for those who choose to embrace it. And verses 13 to 16 of the Gospel reading are, if you like, a summary of the believer's function in the world. And in one word, that function might just be described as influence or motivation. Those who live according to the Beatitudes are going to function in this world as salt and light. The images of salt and light emphasize, if you like, the different characteristics of influence. The biblical worldview, in many ways, is that the world is corrupt and in darkness. Hence, salt addresses the corruption and light addresses the darkness. But their basic purpose is the same. Martin Lloyd-Jones, minister of Westminster Chapel in London for over 30 years, described what Jesus said in these verses as one of the most astounding and extraordinary statements about the Christian that was ever made. You are the light of the world. I don't know how that makes you feel. You are the light of the world. Jesus doesn't say, well, in about 25 years' time, I guess, you'll be approaching spiritual maturity, and then people will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. He doesn't say that. No. 
Jesus offers this teaching right at the beginning of his ministry to a group of people who are right at the beginning of their walk of faith with him. And he says to them, you are the light of the world. Not one day you will be the light of the world, or one day you will be the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And I find that really, really amazing. In a sense, Jesus is identifying his disciples in this way at this stage in their engagement with him. And it's not therefore done on the basis of knowledge or spiritual maturity. They've only been with him for a very, very short period of time. So he's basing this fact, it seems to me, on their proximity or their relationship to Jesus. And since this description is not given according to ability, it is, as one commentator writes, a designation that is rightly claimed by ordinary average Christians. That makes me feel okay, because in a sense, that's what I feel I am, an ordinary average Christian. And it's applicable to every person who calls upon the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We are the light of the world. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian or how good you think you are. Wherever you are and however you are, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before it that others may see your good work and give glory to God in heaven. Jesus once said in John's gospel, I am the light of the world. Now he declares to his followers, you are the light of the world. And these two statements, it seems to me, feed off one another. You can't take the one without the other. One must be taken with the other. So in a sense, it's our relationship with him and him with us who helps us together to reveal something of the good news of the kingdom of God in this world today. Who Jesus is and how Jesus sees us, if you like, the mo is the motivating influence of our lives. So much so that Paul, in his writing to the fledgling church in Corinth, reminds them that it was his preaching of Christ crucified in simple and un complicated terms that brought about the transformation in their own lives. In other words, they saw something in Paul and in what he had to say and in what he did that brought about an openness to God's Spirit and the ultimate change in their lives and the course of direction of that community. So, a series of questions that might follow on from that for them and indeed for us. What motivates you in your life? What influences your decision-making when you leave this great cathedral this morning? And what influence do you have on others around you? Because, as this text says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. What influences you should, I guess, be apparent in your lives. Hence, Jesus commanding, let your light so shine before others 
that they may see your good work and glorify your Father in heaven. That's now, before we can ever become perfect. And the reason for that is that the ultimate purpose is to give glory to God. Jesus' call here is a thoughtful use of that light and that salt which he has entrusted to us. Our light must not shine in isolation, but rather our light must shine in a manner that best suits us. Our light is to shine in such a way that those living in darkness might see that there is an alternative way to live. There's a guy who I connected with many years ago when I worked in Chester Diocese, working at Chester Cathedral. Uh, and he, he ran, or he still does, he runs a car company uh, over at Eastham uh, on the other side of the river. Uh, Lexus dealership, I think it is, Skoda and, and Mazda. But many, many years ago, he was also the Mitsubishi dealer. And Mitsubishi changed the way that company worked. And all their dealerships had to be open on a Sunday. And this guy called Mark Mitchell, who was a Christian, decided he wasn't prepared to do that. And Mitsubishi said to him, well, if you don't open on a Sunday, you will lose the dealership. And he said, so be it. And if you go to his garage today down by Cheshire Oaks, it says, I think still on the door, opening hours, Monday to Friday, 8.30 till 5.30, Monday to Saturday rather, 8.30 to 5.30, and then on Sunday it says, at home with family. And that's a reflection of his Christian faith for all who work in his company. He's salt and light in a way that works for him, but makes a difference in that part of his world. The deploying of salt and light manifests itself in how you and I choose to live, not only here in church on Sunday, but in our work, in our social lives, in our communities, in our families, Monday through Saturday. Surely, what we are meant to conclude from Jesus' teaching is that there must be something marked and distinct about our character. For Mark Mitchell, that meant upholding alternative values relating to work-life balance and family, rather than following the commercial crowd into a seven-day week, fast-going working practice. Too often, the church has understood the difference or the alternative to be rooted in a set of rules and regulations that restrict what people do. However, I would suggest that what we see in the life of Jesus of Nazareth is an affirming attitude towards people that positively motivates them rather than negative attitudes towards people that seek to condemn and restrict them. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. This, I think, is a present tense statement, not just for those 2,000 years ago, but for us also, to people who were still working out their discipleship. So for those of you who are not sure where you are 
in your relationship with Christ, he would say to you this morning, irrespective of that, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. It seems to me that that salt works and that light shines as we choose to let it work itself out in our own lives. And what we choose to do with that statement this morning is very much in our own hands. If you start to live by it, my guess is that it will slowly allow us to be changed by it. And as that change takes its place, so you will indeed begin to influence in small ways others for whom God and the mandate of Jesus is you let your light so shine before others so that they may see your good work and glorify your Father in heaven. Will that become an increasing reality for us? Because that is God's call for each one of us. Let us pray. Almighty God, by whose grace alone we are accepted and called to your service, strengthen us by your Holy Spirit to make us worthy of our calling so that your light might shine through us and others may see our good works and give glory to you. And we ask it through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.